Good evening, my brothers and sisters in the Lord, and all my viewers. Once again, this is your brother Paul Offen coming to you live on my own Facebook page. Some of you are also watching me now from YouTube. Some will get me from Spotify, which is the audio version, and other social media handles, you may also find me. How are you all? I know by God's grace you are doing wonderful. We are fine here. This evening we are going to continue our lesson which we started a week ago. And the title is Ordaining Elders. Why has this taken so long? This topic is so important, especially for the members of the Church of Christ. It's so important to us. We are tackling this topic because the Church of Christ was planted in Ghana in 1958. And it took about 33 years before the first church was able to ordain elders, that is 1991. And since then, still churches are dragging their feet to ordain elders. The question is why? So this is what we are trying to find out. Is it because the what some people call it as qualifications are something that are cumbersome for us? That is why we are running away from ordaining elders or truly people are not qualifying to be elders last week we saw certain statuses in Ghana that the churches of Christ now the local churches stand about 3,000 that is 3,000 individual congregations scattered across the breadth and length of what Ghana. But with that number, only 32 have ordained elders. And this is inadequate. And we're trying to find out what the cause or the causes are. So if you have not watched the video one, part one, or audio part one, please try to find it. You can find it where you are watching this from. That is my Facebook page. Or if you go to YouTube and you type Paul Offin or Ordaining Elders Paul Offin, this video will pop up for you. Some will also get me in an audio version. Spotify or Radio Republic or other, you know, social media handles. You can find this video or audio. Today, we're going to continue from there. But what we are going to discuss tonight is uh, uh, trying to find out what these kind of qualifications, char characters, or behavior, you know, what they mean to us. Is it because they are so difficult for us to, you know, achieve this kind of 
characters or qualifications? Is that why the church is still dragging her feet to appoint elders? Now, First Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 to 7 and Titus chapter 1 verse 5 to 9, we're going to combine both of them. If you put them together, we'll find about 22 characters that a person must possess or have before he can be appointed as elders. So we're going to go through all this. But because there are too many, we cannot go through all of them. So I will select about 13 of them. The rest, you can read them yourself. And ask yourself, if these are not normal behavior that God wants every Christian to, you know, have. Now, so going straight, I'm reading from ESV. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 7. Let's see this kind of characters or, as some people put it, qualifications that an elder must, you know, have. I'm reading and I quote, it says, This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer or a bishop, some translators like the uh, translation to go to the King James Version to use oh, a bishop. He desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer or a bishop or an elder must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not sober-minded, Oh, sorry, uh, not uh, violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for the church of God? He must not be a recent convert or may he or he may uh, become puffer with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of all by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Now this is what we have in First Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 to 7. And also the same thing is in Titus. Just out one or two has uh, been added to what Titus was saying. Oh, Porto Titus. Now, as I said, if you combine the two um, letters, you get about 22 characters, which are expected from every man before he is appointed as an elder. And remember, these characters are ordinary Christian traits, Christian characters that we all as Christians must have. What does it mean to desire? Because he said, if anyone desire an office of a bishop or an overseer, he desires a noble task. If anyone desire, what, what does it mean? You see, before one must be appointed as an elder or overseer. No one should force a person. 
he himself must desire for that job. He must know that this is God's work and offer himself, you know, to do it. He must not be forced, he must not be pushed or begged to accept it if he doesn't want to do it. Because it comes with responsibilities. And this is what some people are trying to run away from. But this kind of responsibilities is a responsibility for every Christian because we all must, you know, possess this kind of traits. Point number two says, without, you know, reproach or blameless. The term does not mean sinless perfection, but that elders should conduct themselves such that no reproach can be justly brought against them or attach them to any wrongdoing. He therefore must be a husband of one wife. That is the third one. And this is where sometimes it raises, you know, a lot of questions. Husband of one wife. Does it mean there were people who were having more than one wife in the church? No, that is not what it means. Now, you know, from the beginning, God made a man and a woman. So one man, one woman, God made. And that is, you know, how God instituted the marriage. Even our Lord Jesus Christ quoted this. When the Jews brought a question about marriage before him, in Matthew chapter 19, verse 4, Jesus says, you know, don't you know that the one who created them, that is the man, he made a woman. So that is why a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to the wife. So that the two now become one and nobody should separate this. And this is what God made it from the beginning. And that is what it should have been. Okay, up till now. But the Jews just turned it upside down. And Jesus said, you are wrong. You did what you did because your heart was so hardened. So, now, from what we are reading here, if Paul says he must be a husband of one wife, what does that mean? It means he must maintain what God made it in the Garden of Eden. That is, he must maintain to have one wife and show example to the people that he leads. The idea of the passage was about love and affection and a heart devoted to just one person. You, the elder, must devote your heart to just one woman. And this is for every Christian. What it means is, you will not have any woman in mind. All your love and affection should go towards just one person that you have chosen to be your wife. You see, he must not be a playboy he must not be a flat and he must not be an adulterer that you are an elder you have your wife but you still have you know some ladies in your mind no now this is to every christian but if everybody would not do it as for the uh, the, the, the the elder is a must because other than that, you will bring disgrace to the church of God. So it's a must. But you know that some wives 
can also disqualify their, their, their husband. So that is why it's important. The wife must also show this kind of, you know, responsibility, this kind of character, this kind of traits too. For the wives of the, uh, of the elders or the deacons, if you read First Timothy chapter 3, I think from 5 down 8 there, you will find this kind of qualification too. So this is not different from what an ordinary Christian woman should have. It's all Christian characteristics. But if you're going to be a wife to an elder, then it's a must that you have to show this kind of characteristics. One that rules his household world. That is point number four. If a man is not capable of exercising good Christian influence over his own household, it is obvious that he will not be able to exercise good influence over the church of God. Do you know the church is God's family? That's what the scripture says. And you, an elder, you'll be appointed to lead God's children. So you have to take them as your own family. That is why God expects you to control your own house. Hold well. To rule them well. If you can't do that. You can. So here. Who are in the house of an elder? That is the wife and the children. So these two people. Can help to appoint an elder. And also disqualify the elder. You can help to. Uh, 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 you can help. So that your, your husband can be appointed. As an elder. If you are a woman. Or. You, the children, you can help so that your father, your dad, can be appointed as an elder if you are a child. But then, if the elder cannot control these people in his own household, how can he control the lost church? So it is important he rules his house well. Now, Number five says, having believed in children or child in subjection with all gravity. This also brings a lot of questions. Having believed in children. How many children should the, 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 the elder have before he is appointed as an elder? We should not assume that if he have even children. Say a person have four children. Two of them are baptized and become what they call believing children. The other two are so young. And somebody will say that, well, uh, Bible says oh, the children have to be believing children. So the other two, if they are not baptized, then it's got, it disqualify him. Is that what it is? No. Even if you have one child. And we'll come to that. When I say even you have one child, one, somebody is raising their eyebrow. What is he talking about? Brothers and sisters, having believing children or child, what does it mean? What does it mean? You see, it is important. Children will behave so well, so that when it comes to time that the church needs elders, they can appoint our fathers to become what? Elders. It's important. Now, I ask a question. How many children should a man have before he can qualify to be an elder? Right. How many children is not stated? But at least, if the person has one child, it's qualified him to be an elder. What, brother Paul? What are you talking about? He says children. He didn't say a child. 
that is what is in the mind of so many. You see, you have to uh, uh, note that the, in the Bible, the plural can sometimes, you know, be used as a symbol and vice versa. I'll give you an example. I say, the person must have believing children. No, the word children is used there. It's not always that you have to have two, three, four. Let me ask you one question. For instance, if after church and the announcer come forward and say, all those who have children to come forward. Now, can I ask you that? If somebody has a child, can that person also come forward? He said, all those who have children. He didn't say all those who have a child. He said children. Can that person also come forward? Yes, I know you answer yes. He has to come. But he used the word children there. So these children he used doesn't mean they should be more than, you know, one. But it's a language. Now if you go to Ephesians chapter four, uh, chapter 6 verse 1 to 4, Paul says to the church at Ephesus, the young one, he said, children, obey your parents. Now this instruction from the Lord, children, obey your parents. So if you are a child, your parents have only one child and that is you. Does it mean this instruction does not affect you? Because he said children and you are only one. If it doesn't in that way, then why do you disqualify somebody because the Bible used the word children and you think it should be, uh, you know, uh, uh, plural more than a one? Now, let's get to the Bible and use one quotation that probably might help us to understand the phrase children. Now, if we go to Genesis chapter 21, verse 7, there, this is Sarah, the wife of Abraham, speaking here. The question is, how many children did Sarah have? How many children? You will say one. You are right. <laughs> one. Can hear you say in your, your heart or even your mouth. One. And what is the, 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 the child's name? Again, you are right because I can hear you saying that it's Isaac. And you are right. So if Sarah had only one child and the child's name is Isaac, why did Sarah say this? Now, Genesis chapter 21 verse 7. Listen to the quote. And he and she said, that is Sarah said, Who would have said to Abraham, that's my husband, that Sarah will nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. I'm interested in when he said, Who would have, you know, said to Abraham that Sarah would nest children. How many children did Sarah nest? It's only one. But why did the Bible use children here? That's what I'm saying. It's a language. So if he said the elder must have children, it doesn't mean it should be two, three, four, five. Even one is also under the children and it's qualified the elder. I'm saying this because recently one of my brothers called me from Ghana saying that they are preparing to have it, but they disqualify one brother. Because the brother have all the qualities that elder must have. Except that he has only one child. But the child is a believing child. He's a baptized child. So the Bible says he have to have children. So that disqualified him. What? 
Brothers, if you are listening to me, you watch this video or the audio you are listening, please look at that again and revise your notes. I don't think I was talking about having two, three, four. Even if you have one and this person is a believing child, they have been baptized and is a faithful Christian, it qualifies someone to be an elder. If you're still, I mean, uh, uh, don't agree with this, it's out to your congregation. But this is, you know, dragging so many congregations, dragging their feet because you have to have somebody who have. And then if the person has many children and say four children and three are all faithful children and one is not right, that one to disqualify the person. So when are we going to? So these are some of the things that are, you know, uh, uh, delaying the process of what? Getting elders. Let me ask you another question. Does this always have to be your own biological children? Because this one also disqualified. I know some churches, they have some elderly people who, I mean, looking at the qualities, that qualifications that the Bible is saying here, they have all of them. But they don't have a child. They don't. And because of that, they were not able to, you know, uh, 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 you know, appoint them. Even though they don't have a child, they have, they have, you know, nurtured some children. I know about two children or even more that through them have become faithful, you know, Christians have been baptized. But because it's not their biological children, the church says you don't qualify. I don't think the Bible here was talking about your own biological children. They have come from your, 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 uh, you. But I believe that if even you are able to care for, I mean, for instance, if you have a, a, an orphan children, okay, and you adopt these orphans, maybe one or two, you adopt them and you raise them in Christ. And then they go to a decision point. You taught them. They now baptize, becoming faithful Christians. So are you saying, because it's not my own biological children, that's disqualifying me. For example, I took one of my auntie's you know, child when she was five years. And I raised this child in the Lord. You understand? And and when the child got to, I think about 13 or so, she got baptized. Now, she's about 36, married with two children and have, you know, faithful husband too. Now, are you saying, if I don't have any children apart from this one I have raised to be baptized, are you saying because it's not my own biological, you know, daughter, so I, I cannot be an elder? Is that what you're saying? Look at it closely. Look at it closely. Now, if you are debating on this, you, you have every right to debate on that. But I don't think this should disqualify somebody who have all the characteristics to the point that he has raised some people. And do you know that legally, you can adopt children and then legally the government knows it is your own child or your own children? And people even know that they are only your own children. So if you raise these people to become faithful Christians and you say, still you don't qualify, I find it difficult 
to you know say so here we are saying that your children can qualify you to become elder they can also disqualify you not to become elder your wife can qualify you to become elder they can also disqualify you so wives and children in the church if you are a christian woman it's your responsibility to behave well so that the man you marry can in future christ can depend on him to you know mind his church number six is temperate what is temperate to exercise self-control restraint on oneself especially during a provocative conversation even in the church sometimes you see we are you know especially when you get to these business uh, committee meetings I know I've been in situation before where it's so heated arguments, heated debate, and sometimes you don't take care. We leave there with no, uh, I mean, solution at all, and it happened. We are humans, but somebody who is going to be an elder must have self-control, restrain himself. So during situation like this, he will be able to overcome. And it's also have to, uh, you know, uh, uh, restrain himself from some worldly pleasures, some things that the world do. And he must be able to keep sensitive matters private. Probably with the cut some things, it's about somebody's marriage. And you are an elder, this can be for you. You discover it. Two minutes, it is outside there. No. He has to be somebody who can exercise control and restrain himself from these things. He's able to teach. He should be able to teach the word of God and also have some knowledge about the doctrine of our Lord Jesus Christ. The doctrine of the church. And he has to ensure that others who are teaching the doctrine are teaching the right stuff. If you are elder and you you cannot teach the word of God. You don't know the doctrine of the word, uh, the, the doctrine of our Lord Jesus Christ. How would you correct somebody who is teaching an error? But it's your duty. Paul told the elders uh, at Ephesus, three years, three years that I've been with you, I have not. You see, what are to care, to tend for the flock? Of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is your duty to protect from, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, intruders of, you know, false teaching. Today we are living in the world where we have, for, uh, a, you know, false doctrine around. It's easy to infiltrate into the church. And it's the elders' responsibility to ensure the church is protected from such things. And as Paul advised evangelist uh, uh, Timothy, what do you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust with faithful men? An elder, you must be able to entrust what you were taught to other people. For instance, the Bible teacher did not come today. Elder, would you step in to teach? And then you go in there and what you are teaching, we don't know what you are talking about. No. The elder must be able to teach so that at least you have the basic, uh, you know, uh, doctrine of the church should have in mind so that you can defend the church. Not so angered or to, to become angry. 
Dealing with people sometimes requires maximum restraint or self-control. Now, if you go to Numbers chapter 12, verse 3 to 5, Scripture said Moses was the meekest person there, but he lost it. Do you know? When, you know, Israel provoked him. And this is one of the reasons why he only saw the city of Canaan but could not step there. He lost it because people provoke him. Even though God said he was the meekest person. I mean, you're going to lead people. You're going to guide the flock. You know how sheep lie. Sometimes you have to be in the, uh, in the line and then some is going wayward. And an elder must have compassion for the sheep and bring them close. But if you are somebody who are too angry, why are you passing here? If you don't take care, you even strike this sheep and kill it. So it's important that you are not somebody who are quickly provoked, not a striker to exchange blows. He must not be too quick to trigger or engage in the violence, either verbal or physical violence. He must not be quick to argue and if possible, to avoid unnecessary argument. Number 10 says, not a lover of money. You see, he must not be a covetous. He may be put in charge as an elder on the church finances. You understand? And he can be tempted if he's somebody who is a covetous or a lover of money. So it's important. And a person that is, uh, you know, aspire to be an elder should not be a novice, not a new convert. Should never appoint a new convert uh, for these elders' position, regardless of his political power, academic background, or financial position. People are taking this kind of worldly things and appointing, you know, uh, elders because of, you know, oh, this man, look at his face. I mean, it's uh, that kind of thing. Uh, he's somebody in the politics, you know. Uh, uh, he is uh, the dean of this faculty of, you know, he is, no, that kind of things. It's, uh, you know, financial background. We don't look at these difficult things to appoint elders. What you must look at it, it's First uh, Timothy chapter 3, Titus chapter 1. So, once the person is nervous, you don't appoint him. It doesn't matter or, uh, you know, how well to do the person is. In actual fact, you don't depend on that. If the person is well to do, but it's somebody who has uh, been in a church for years and he knows the doctrine of, of, of the Lord, why not? Why not? But not a novice. Uh, and also he said, uh, a just, right? The person is a just. An elder must, you know, deal fairly and honestly and in an upright manner with all people. And he must not be selfish. He must not be biased or taking sides when it comes to, you know, dealing with people. He must always be fair. And the last one, which is the third thing, the person must be sound in the faith. He must have knowledge about God's word, especially the doctrine of our law. It's so, so important. You know, the only difference, the only thing that, you know, differentiates the lost church from the denominational world is the doctrine. It's the doctrine. 
some people because of the readily uh, uh, what they call the pleasures or pressures let me put some uh, worldly pressures are trying to shine away from doctrine because many people don't want to listen to the doctrine anymore my brother it doesn't matter people are disgusted with the doctrine that is what we are you know told to tell people jesus said after baptism and continue to teach them all that i have taught you and that is what we have to do and that is the doctrine of our lord and this is what the apostles taught people don't like it today people want you to leave them to do whatever they want in christianity but christianity you see we uh what do you call it we operate uh, christianity on a definite pattern there is a pattern that we have to follow and that is the doctrine of our lord jesus christ so i will end here my brothers and then looking at it for the part three which will be coming next week there we're going to discuss uh, in details who or, or at what age should somebody be qualified to be an elder i mean i mean a physical age whether you should be 60 years 70 or whether it's be 20 years or 40 we will discuss that and also uh, talk about the challenges that we are facing uh, today those who have appointed elders and trying to see some of these problems if we can do away uh, with it today and also to take away the fear that is within so many people which is putting them away from ordaining elders god bless you once again I am your brother Paul often share this to many people especially those in the household of faith so that they will not delay in selecting those who qualify to be elders God bless you